So Matt, I'm thinking next week I'm gonna start a uh, uh, diarrhea awareness group. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, yeah. It runs all week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good diarrhea joke. <laughs> Who isn't? I mean. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. Uh, before we get into it, we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. Uh, we're proud to be members of the Podbelly Network and associated with those shows. So you can go over there and find a list of different shows that you may not find anywhere else. Uh, so go over there, check them out, podbelly.com. Go check out the shows that are members of the network. And I guarantee you, you're going to find something you enjoy. Um, we also want to thank tonight's sponsor, HelloFresh, and we'll talk more about them shortly. Uh, while you're on the internet doing your thing, go over to patreon.com slash graveyardtales. You can sign up to become a patron, and we have three different levels that you can join at. Um, our $10 patrons get the video version of the main episodes, and you get to watch us do it. And I don't cut as much out, so sometimes you'll get to see... You know, if we have to take a pee break or something, and if we say something (laughs) funny during the pee break, I'll leave that in. Um, Any mistakes that we have that aren't too bad, (laughs) I will leave in. Right. Um, But go over there and check that out. Patreon.com slash Graveyard Tales. We also put up bonus episodes weekly of different topics, not necessarily in the same vein as what we would talk about on the main show. So you get funny stuff, you get some dirty stuff, you get personal stuff. So go over there. Let's clarify the dirty stuff. That's a good point. Clarify uh, the, the, the language, language. Yeah, language is a little bit rougher, right? Uh, on on some of those, and Not sometimes sometimes we talk about poop and pee, and uh, you know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The subject matter is sometimes actually dirty. Yeah, like, I, like gross. Like, yeah, like <laughs> we're, so, we're, we're not we're not running some adult Patreon. No, no, uh, so, just we so don't. You know, we don't have an OnlyFans. Maybe we so. should, Adam. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, dude, I think it would be if we did anything like that. It'd be better to say if you want to donate money, we'll keep our clothes on, not take our clothes off. <laughs> I think more people would be willing to do that just to keep us clothed. Uh. So, Matt, that's all I've got for the housekeeping. So why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay, so tonight we're, we're going we're gonna to flip it a little bit. We've done this in the past where Adam and I have each researched uh, our own topic, didn't really discuss it with the other one. 
but it just so happens tonight that both of us are going to be talking about uh, two different haunted bridges. And, you know, they're always fun. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. the, the stories that are affiliated with with haunted bridges are just they're they're great. Oh, they're yeah. great. And and I guarantee you, because I know I did as a kid. I'm sure you did in Texas as a kid. Um, there's always some story, even if it's not necessarily close to you, there is always some story about some old bridge, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's still in use or not, there's, there's always, you'll, you'll get a really old historic bridge, you know, in an area and the legends just come about. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's the case with the two bridges we're going to discuss tonight. So, uh, Adam, why don't why don't you start and uh, tell us about the the bridge that you uh, you researched? Okay. Um, so, like Matt was saying, every state, every city seems to have a haunted bridge of some sort. No matter what the the name of it or what the legend of it is, every state, every city seems to have one. And we discussed one when we talked about the Goat Man. Um, the Goat Man has a, a bridge that he's associated with. A lot of times, though, the history of the bridges are either stretched so far that it borders on unrealistic or it's just completely made up. But the bridges that we're going to talk about tonight, they seem, you know, especially the one I got, it seems to be a little different. Um, Mm -hmm. There is some legit history here. Um, But I want to look at the Screaming Bridge in Arlington, Texas. And that's just up the road a ways from Ash and I. And I'm, I'm talking Texas version of just up the road a ways. Um, so <laughs> that, it might be an hour and a half. Yeah, you know? yeah it, it's maybe half that. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's just it's pretty close to us um, there in Arlington. And um, from what is said about this bridge, the history is pretty scary. And the hauntings are actually pretty interesting, too. So we need to get into that. Um, but as we always say, go check the sources. Um, you can find where we found this information and maybe dive a little deeper in there. If you'd like to just go down to the bottom of our show notes and we have a sources page there and you can find the original authored um, articles or books or whatever we are talking about. Now, the bridge that I'm talking about is located in river legacy park in Arlington, Texas. Um, so need to look at that a little bit, uh, before we get into the bridge legend. Well, the park is located on Trinity, Trinity river in Arlington and Trinity river, big river, usually good fishing in a lot of spots there. Um, but it's on the Trinity river and it offers a wide range of nature opportunities for people who visit. The park is 1,031 acres of a floodplain. So it's a huge park. Yeah. Um, Now, it was planned specifically as a place where animals could live with minimal interference from the park's hundreds of human visitors. Um, So as they say, it's, it's a, quote, sight to behold because there are places that you can walk as a human visitor, but it's most of it is relegated to animals. So it's like a little nature preserve that you can walk through, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, so it's, it's set up in a way where 
you know, humans can access certain areas, but maybe not all of them. Right. Is right. That, okay. Yeah. There, there's some, I mean, you could access them, but it's going to be a trek and there's not like a path to get everywhere and, and they do have paths that you can take. So if you wanted to get to some of those other places, you'd have to go off the beaten path kind of thing. Ah, so may- maybe some experienced hikers could get out there, but they're not. Right. It's not the routine. Right. Right. Mo- if you're going there on the weekend, you're going to hang out at the, the walking bridge or some of the little rest areas and pavilions and stuff. You're not going to go bushwhacking and find some of these places. So. Um, it makes it makes it pretty cool um, for the animals because they can live out there pretty much undisturbed. And then you might run into deer or something as you're walking the mm-hmm. path because it's walking to another grazing area or something. Um, Remember, you're you're at a park in Texas. So. Right. Right. Watch where you step. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, especially during um, the summer months. Um Winter, you're probably fine, but everywhere else, listen for. (laughs) Now, the initial land uh, that would become the park was donated to the city of Arlington by Berta Rose Brown and Margaret Rose May in 1976. So they donated all that land and uh, founded in 1986 to better preserve the local ecosystem and encourage appreciation For local flora and fauna, a variety of nature-based activities are encouraged, especially bird watching, bicycling, jogging, picnicking, or just like they say, simply enjoying the splendor of nature on a sedate afternoon, quote unquote. Um, Now, legend has it that it was the site of a battle during the Civil War. So... This area, um, and and there are, I'm not going to talk about it, but there are parts in this park that apparently there are Civil War ghosts that can be seen. So if you want to look into more of the history, go find the, the links and hop over there. But You know, what's funny is as a Tennessean, um, I, I, don't, I don't think about Texas. When we talk about the Civil War, oh yeah, I mean it's just it's just one of those things. You it it doesn't occur to you. I remember when you first said something like that. I was like, really, Civil War, and and I know that, but it's just it's one of those things. It doesn't it doesn't click. It seems like it's the time is off in my brain, or yeah, what's that? Too far south. It it, 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 too far west. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, you don't you you don't think about much beyond well, much west of the Mississippi when you're referencing the Civil War, but right, it, it right. was. I mean, yeah. you know, it, yep. it was it was there. Yep. Now, this River Legacy Park that the bridge, the Screaming Bridge, is located in, is said to be one of the most haunted locations in Arlington. So, I I, I thought it was pretty cool, um, and I had to give. Uh, Ashley props for finding this bridge for me to cover. She just happened to throw it out there and I was like, started looking into it and I was like, that's really cool. The, the history of all this. So let's go ahead and look at the legend of the screaming bridge. Now I'm just going to read 
this legend as they have it written. One fall night, more than 50 years ago, several teenagers were carpooling home after their high school football team defeated its opponents by a landslide. Still riled up over the victory, driving irresponsible or driving responsibly definitely wasn't of utmost importance to the group. So we've all been there after high school football game. Y'all win. You kind of go out riding around with your friends going crazy. That's what they were doing. Now, the bridge running through Arlington's River Legacy Park was just wide enough for one car at a time. So they say hooting and hollering, the children's excitement drowned out all other noise, like that of a vehicle with no working headlights speeding towards them. By the time either party realized the imminent disaster, it was much too late to avoid it. So the cars collided head on before erupting into a fiery explosion and plunging off the bridge into the Trinity River below. Nobody survived the crash. Golly. So it says... That's brutal. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. Um, It says those who were not killed on impact uh, allegedly died in the ensuing fire or, you know, in the water because they... um, the cars plummeted into that river below. So they either died from the impact, died from the fire, or they drowned when they mm-hmm. hit the water. And there was nobody survived this. Um, now, apparently this wasn't the first accident to occur on that bridge. So the city decided to close it to vehicular traffic and to build a new bridge, not too far away from it. That was wider and safer and the old bridge is now only open to foot traffic. So that that's the screaming bridge. Only You can only get there by walking. You have to take a decent walk through this park to get to that bridge. So you're not going to be able to get a car over there anymore. Um, it says, but the tragic event of that night still seems to reverberate through this bridge. So a lot of people have said that if you stand on the bridge and you're very quiet, you can hear the occasional sounds of oncoming vehicles. The sounds of the cars seem to get louder as the sun goes down. So the the thought here is it's the stone tape theory. You're standing on the bridge. You can hear the vehicles coming toward each other in you know, recorded by the the bridge itself or mm-hmm. the land around it. Um, because like you and I have talked about before, Matt, the when there's a tragic incident, there's like a sludge that I call it, like a paranormal sludge that you can feel it when you walk into a room. It's dripping from the walls or or something like that, and it's very lack of a better term it's very sticky it just you know <laughs> sticks to the uh sticks to the area of mass casualties or or right. in any place with high emotion mm-hmm. now others have said that when you're walking along the bridge at night if, if you stop on the bridge and you look down into the trinity river you can see faint outlines of tombstones glowing in the water and apparently there's one for every person that died that night in the car wreck. Huh. That's interesting. 
that it it is interesting because if it's real, it would have to be a projection from the spirit because there are no graves right, right there. I know, and that that's where that's where that that part of the story goes a little for me. Yes, is yep. <laughs> because it's almost like that. That's like a movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. That there's, I mean, you know, when you open up your mind enough to accept paranormal activity, there, there's even limits to that. Oh, you sure. Know, you sure. you kind of get used to, well, this happens, but this doesn't really ever happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm with you. It would be really, really cool if that's, if that's what happened. Yeah. And, and, but, Again, like you, I, I think this is where it goes from history to legend uh-huh. and actual things that people have witnessed to embellishments of mm-hmm. these things. Um, if they if if the story had been that you look down into the water and you see people. I'll give you that. I, I won't yeah. really argue that. But when it's tombstones, there were no yeah, tombstones yeah. there. So I I got to question that a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, the the embellishments that happen over the years, as this story is told and retold, um, they're cool. I like them. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. When, when you hear a story like this, you know what you're getting, okay? Oh, yeah. You, you're not getting some one-on-one personal experience. You're not getting something that is dissimilar to anything else you've heard at, at other similar places. Right. And so you, you, you take it just like what it, for what it is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a cool little legend, you know, even if it's based in historical fact, it's, it's been gussied up over the years and, and even have different variations. Just, you know, appreciate that. Right. You know, right. That's, that's what I always say. You know, you know, I, I said something about the tombstones, but I, I say that in that, you know, that would be a really cool thing. It's it's highly unlikely, but it's a good example of how these stories, these they alter over over time. Yeah. You know, people add their own little spicy detail. They take on a life of their own. Yeah. But it makes no great pun stories. intended. Oh, it does. <laughs> So it's also said that if you walk out on the bridge and you stand in the middle of the bridge at a certain hour, um, a lot of people say that's midnight. I'm not going to argue what time, you know, whether it's midnight or the witching hour or whatever. But apparently, if you walk out there at a certain time of night, you'll see a ghostly fog start rolling onto the bridge from either side of the bridge. And then you'll see a set of headlights approach from one side and you'll witness this ghostly spectral version of the crash that happened that night, complete with tires screeching, the crushing of metal on metal, followed by the haunting screams coming from all around you as this crash replays itself over and over and over again every night at the same time of night. Okay. So the do you you've got to be standing out on the bridge to witness this? So apparently, you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, apparently you have to be in on the bridge to witness it. That you can have someone standing on the bridge and they witness it, but if you're not standing on the bridge, you don't witness anything. 
So there, you're just going to have the, you know, the stories of, of the brave souls that were willing to stand out there mm-hmm. and, and witness it, yep. which I'm sure there's a few. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't get a story like that, you know, from no. one person. No, that, that, that seems to be a collective of several people that have done it. And, you know, I, I think to me, there's some of that seems like it could be embellished, like the fog and everything. But I think if we're looking at the stone tape theory, you might see the lights coming. Mm -hmm. Um, More likely you would hear the the sound of the cars wrecking and the screaming as far as uh, um, if we're looking into what the stone tape theory has proven to us in other cases um, the fog and the oncoming light seem to be well at least the fog seems to be a little embellishment to me and I, I don't I've never stood out there but it's just from what we've looked into in the past, that seems like that's part of the embellishment of the story. But yeah. I'm willing to believe that there are screams and, and screeching of tires and stuff like that heard. Yeah, that that's that's intense, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, for a for a haunting of any type, um, that's pretty intense. You, you know, because you're if you have to be standing out there to witness it, you're, you're in the middle of that. Yep. And you've got to, you've got to really build up the courage to go, okay, this is, if this happens the way it's supposed to happen, then it's going to make it feel like I'm going to stand in right between yep. these two cars that are about to collide. Yep. You've got to hold your ground because yeah. uh, you will experience it, not just witness. You will most likely experience the incident being there. Yeah. So that's the legend and, and the hauntings that have been reported there. But was there really a wreck that happened? Because, you know, we get these that maybe there wasn't even a wreck. Well, yes, there was a wreck at this one. So I'm going to read this article that I found of the real incident. Now, this is off of medium.com and it was authored by true crime podcaster, Nikki Young. So thank you, Nikki, for doing this research. Um, Give you the props here for that. Um, You can find the link and it will give you her podcast name and all that stuff if you want to go check her out. Um, She says, it occurred on the night of February 4th, 1961, when a car filled with six Arlington teenage girls plunged off of a burned out wooden bridge where then Arlington Bedford Road approached the railroad tracks in far north Arlington. So the Arlington High School co-eds were out joyriding after leaving a movie that evening. Um, And as the girl's car approached the crossing at approximately 45 miles an hour, the incline of the Arlington Bedford Road and the darkness prevented them from seeing that the bridge was out. So at 9.30, their vehicle left the road and impacted the other side of the ravine, landing upside down. Instantly killed, 
were Mary Lou Goldner, 16, and Claudine uh, Jean Reeves, 17. By 2 a.m. Sunday morning, Kathy Fleming was dead on arrival at Baylor Hospital, bringing the total deaths to three. So newspaper articles from February 6th revealed that another youth, Bill Young, had slowed for a train crossing the road just beyond the bridge uh, over the ditch and noticed that the bridge was out, so stopping just three feet shy of the ravine. He had narrowly missed plunging off the road himself, and he tried to warn the girl's vehicle by honking his horn uh, while he was backing up to get away from the bridge. So it's thought that his warning may have scared the uh, driver into speeding up to pass his vehicle, which contributed to their speed when they left the road. Uh, it, it was this witness who notified authorities of the accident. So she said, so why was the bridge out? Well, she said it appears to have been a prank. The bridge had previously been burned down due to arson, and it's thought that a couple of youngsters decided to play a prank and remove the barricades and warning signs that the bridge was out. Hmm. So now that's terrible. Yeah. Somebody burned the bridge and then some kids thought it would be funny to remove the warning signs. That's not funny, kids. If you're no, if you're listening to this at uh, uh, Graveyard Tales PSA, leave warning signs and signs and barricades up. They're there to keep people from dying. That's right. Let's, let's That's not right. do that. So she goes on to say that on March 10th, 1994, Raylene Johnston and Tammy Lynn Dodson tried to outrace an oncoming train, which impacted the passenger side of their truck. One of the occupants was knocked out of the vehicle while the other remained trapped in the burning vehicle. Both women died at the scene of the accident. So after the 1994 accident, this stretch of Greenbelt Road was closed to all traffic. With its closing, the myth of the Screaming Bridge moved to what's now known as the Screaming Bridge at River Legacy Park. So she says the, the bridge that's now known as Screaming Bridge was said to be the site of another multiple vehicle accident, but she was unable to verify that information. So... First, thank you, Nikki, for doing that research and putting this um, article out there. Um, like I said, go check the sources. You can find her there. Um, but that's saying there was a bridge that had two accidents, one of them being the multiple teenage girls falling off the bridge and wrecking and dying, which is supposedly what generated the hauntings at the Screaming Bridge. However, the bridge that's now said to be the Screaming Bridge is not the one that these wrecks occurred on. So, hmm. Matt, tell me, what, what do you think that that means the hauntings are made up, or do you think there could be a shift with one bridge torn down, maybe they had to shift to another bridge? I don't know. That's that's what would come to mind is if if everything is accurate up to that point and then the the bridge where it occurred is no longer there, 
that it shifts to another bridge. But to me, that shift seems more like an intelligent haunting, which for this kind of story doesn't fit. Right. Okay? Right. This sounds like, you know, a, a, a stone tape type mm-hmm. experience, um, almost textbook. Um, so I, I don't, I don't see where a haunting like this would shift. Right. Right. Um, now if, if there was some in intelligence about it, if there was a, a, a spectral creature that was at a certain bridge, um, then yeah, I would say there's, there's probably a chance that it shifted to another bridge. Mm-hmm. I don't know about a stone tape shifting. You know, yeah. I'm, like, I'm with you. <laughs> That'd be like a murder happening in a house, um, and then like three miles down the road in a in a similar house, the haunting occurred because mm-hmm. the original house was gone. You know, it, yeah. it, it just I've never heard of anything like that in all no. the research that I've done. No, because you would think that even if the bridge was torn down, like they said it was, that haunting would still occur in that area. Uh-huh. that you would see cars like we've seen with um, spirits and stuff walking on a different level than what the ground is at now or walking through walls because the floor plan was different than it is now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, these cars would be, quote unquote, going over this bridge that's not there, but they would still be at bridge level. So I, I think with the 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 screaming bridge legend, in my opinion, there may have been these hauntings at the old bridge, but then when it got torn down, the legends continued, even though the bridge is gone mm-hmm. and they just said, Oh, well it's uh, this bridge just to make it uh, make continue the life on. of the story continue. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and, and it probably had no uh, maliciousness behind no. it. It's just as, as the stories are passed from generation to generation, um, you know, as a, as a young person, you hear a story like this from your parents or your grandparents or something like that. Um, you tend to associate it with what you know. Mm-hmm. And if that mm-hmm. old bridge is long gone and enough people hear that story as they become adults, in their remembrance, they associate it with, well, this bridge has been the only bridge I've known, you know, since right. a child, not thinking about the fact that it, it may have happened at a completely different mm-hmm. location. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, uh, I, I liked that, uh, when I started reading the, the, the stories of the hauntings and the history, I thought that was a really cool um, legend there. And then when I found that article by, um, that podcaster, Nikki, I thought, Oh, well, this is cool because it, uh, it kind of ties in the legitimacy of what happened to the legend, but it it shows there are some discrepancies. So yeah. Yeah, What do you got, Matt? All right. So I'm going to, I'm talking about the Goldbrook Bridge in Stowe, Vermont. Hmm. Okay. Um, considered to be the most haunted bridge in Vermont. 
Hmm. And funny enough, there's a lot of them, of these old covered bridges, you know, yeah. all across Vermont. I mean, tons of them. There's not as wow. many of them now. A lot of them aren't standing anymore. Um, but this, this one has survived the time. So the Goldbrook Bridge is a covered bridge, as I said, in Stowe, Vermont. The bridge itself dates back to the 1840s. Now, it is uh, a Howe Trust design, which was very common at the time. Um, and in appearance, it looked like many of the other bridges that were found along the Gold Brook. Mm -hmm. um, but as I said earlier, it's the only one still standing. And the, the Howe Trust design was just an architectural design, but it was easy for you know, local carpenters to recreate oh, and, yeah. and build a strong, sturdy bridge, um, you know, w without having to have access to a lot of, uh, special materials, uh, or anything like that, that they, it, it would either be impossible for them to get, or it would send the cost to, you know, at the time to something they couldn't afford. So sure, this was yeah. a, this was a good, solid design. Um, that you know a, a a local group could get together and 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 actually construct and it'd be worthwhile. And those those covered bridges are cool looking. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they're fantastic. You know, there's there's something that's so so quaint, so you know bucolic about seeing those images of of covered bridges. Um, but they they do have a creep factor. Oh yeah, they um, make me think of Beetlejuice, the movie Beetlejuice. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I've always thought that they were kind of spooky. Um, yeah. E even without a, a legend or a haunting or anything associated with it. Um, but this bridge in particular, the Goldbrook Bridge, has been the subject of numerous reports of paranormal activity, and it's even referred to most commonly by the name of the spirit that supposedly haunts it. So according to legend, a young woman named Emily lost her life on the bridge, thus giving the Goldbrook Bridge the moniker Emily's Bridge. Hmm. And it's funny because when you, when you search for uh, Emily's Bridge, you get all this information. When you search for the Goldbrook Bridge, you get like, three or four, and then it all goes to also <laughs> Emily's Bridge. <laughs> so it so basically name, got a new name then. Yeah, the name stuck. Yeah. Okay, but let's let's take a look at the legend um, behind Emily's Bridge. Now, as we were talking about earlier, like with many legends, the story of Emily has no real historical evidence to support it at all. Uh, there's a few stories on how Emily may have died on the bridge. The first version of the legend has her waiting at this spot for, uh, for her lover as they're about to elope. Hmm. Now, while she's waiting, it gets later and later, and she realizes he's not coming. And so reportedly, in her heartbreak, uh, she hung herself from the rafters under the bridge. Jeez. You know, and that, that's a, that's a creepy sight. You know, you roll up to oh, the covered yeah. bridge and there's somebody hanging from the rafters. Yeah. You know, I, underneath it. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. 
But another version of the legend says that um, as Emily was arriving to the church to get married, she realized then that the uh, the groom was nowhere to be found. And so the you know in in her in her jilted state, she was so distraught that she jumped into the family wagon and drove off and just not being able to focus on anything but her sorrow. She led the team of horses at a really, uh, really fast rate of speed as fast as horses pulling a wagon could do. Right. Now, when she tried to navigate the turn before the bridge, the horses in the wagon and Emily crashed over the bank onto the Rocky Brook and there were no survivors. So em- Emily oh. didn't survive. And I guess the horses didn't either. Jeez. Yeah. That, that was a bad wreck. Yeah. For a, a carriage wreck. A carriage that was a bad wreck. wreck. You know, you don't think about that being a that single bad. carriage wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the 1920s, it, it was very common to hear how Emily was driving her car and missed the bridge. Okay. And drives mm-hmm. all, off the off the embankment and right into the Gold Brook. Now, all of these stories potentially happened sometime between 1849 and 1949. That's oh. a big range. Okay, that is a big range. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a hundred years. It happened sometime in this century. Okay, you can't hammer it down any further than that <laughs> yeah give me at least maybe a decade i can i can work with yeah, a decade you know give me a roundabout you know happening in the last hundred years you know we go from she hung herself to she took a horse and carriage over the, the river to she drove her car right right big leaps in big details leaps. yeah but again, that's that's how this the stories evolve over time. But there's, as I said, there's no historical proof that there was ever any crash or ever any person named Emily that died on or around the Goldbrook Bridge. And many people attribute the story to uh, one Nancy uh, Stead, S-T-E-A-D, Stead, right? Or Steed. In, well, okay, so that's what I was getting at. Yeah. So, so, Nancy, if I'm mispronouncing your name, I apologize. Um, it looks like Stead. Uh, it might be Steed, either way. But she was a longtime resident of, of Stowe, and she was a columnist for the Stowe Reporter. And she has claimed that she started the rumor several decades ago. Huh. Now, According to Stead, in the early 1970s, tales of witchcraft were becoming really common and popular. So one day, while sitting around a a pond with uh, a a friend named Hazel Carlson, Stead and and Carlson decided to come up with some witchcraft of their own to scare the kids that were swimming in the pond. So she says the, the quote, the girls were buzzing about witchcraft and covens. And we said, we should probably tell them about this bridge and the girl, Emily, who died there. Stead said, 
She said each of us would add our own line to the story, and boom, it just took off and went crazy. But it was just made up. Huh. And that may so, very well be the case. It may. Um, I mean, that's how some of these legends do get started. You usually um, don't don't you're usually not able to pinpoint them to the actual person no, though. That's no. really that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting to me that um if if that is how it happened that she started it with some friends there just on a lark how popular it has become. I mean, it's all over the internet oh, yeah. and everything. That that's that's wild how yeah. how much popularity it gained. And you know, if you know, I, I'm I'm sure there's people out there be like, well, you know, it's her responsibility to set the record straight. She has. Mm-hmm. She she doesn't claim that this was true and never did. But once something like this grows even if you are responsible for the story getting out there, you can't do anything to stop it. No, it's, no. It spreads like wildfire, and it may it may go unspoken for years. Yeah. And then somebody goes, let me tell you the story about this bridge and Emily and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, that little kid is telling their buddy and their buddy and their buddy, and they grow up to be adults. And that and here it goes. And even though she's standing here going, "Hey y'all, I just made this up." It doesn't matter. It, it no. it's taking all a life no. of its own. Well, and once things like that get going, um and not just this but in other aspects, it takes precedence over the the truth or the correction of that. Right. Because it's easier for people to just say, oh, no, there was a car wreck at this bridge mm-hmm. than to say, well, no, there wasn't really a car wreck. I was wrong. It was a story made up by this person. And so it, it's just easier for the legend mm-hmm. to keep going. That's right. And to have a, a redacted or, or fixed version of the story. And and in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with that. Let no. the legends go. Like I said earlier, they're fun. As long as you don't have somebody out there just beating their fist and and demanding that you accept this as the you know the absolute unadulterated truth, mm-hmm. um, you know then 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 I got a problem with them. Um, but you know it's fun. Tell it. Tell it. it it's a legend. You know it. Yep. It's fun. Um. But that's not really why people thought the bridge was haunted in particular. Hmm. Um, the first mention of a haunting around this bridge actually came around in 1968. A high school student was using a Ouija board on the oh, bridge great. and claimed that a spirit named Emily presented herself. And others have since claimed similar experiences. Now, Stead refutes this saying, no, it was later than that. And it really doesn't have anything to do with a high school girl going. And then there's some stories that say, okay, this girl in high school originally did this as a report. And then much later came out with 
almost the admission of, okay, okay, okay. You know, we didn't look all this stuff up in the library. We, we actually went and used a Ouija board. Huh. And so that part of it came a little bit later, according to this story. So you can tell if we're talking about 68, I read the same description of that story and it was listed as 1974. So even with some things that may have some, some historical background, it's still, you know, murky water here. Right. Right. But many of the visitors who have gone and, and gone to the bridge have claimed to have experienced something that seems paranormal. Now, many people report noises such as footsteps or banging or this one, ropes tightening. Uh, you, know that, you know that sound? Kind of a squeaky, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That sound that it makes when somebody's hanged. Yeah. Um, yeah. But screaming has also been heard, and it appears to be a female scream. Now, others report hearing the sound of clothes rustling, while others claim to have heard maniacal laughter. Well, that's creepy. Yeah, that that is creepy. Um, but photos of the bridge, they've displayed the the lovely and totally credible floating orbs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know how Adam and I feel about orbs, you know. <laughs> Maybe one in a million is actually an orb yeah. that you catch. There, but there's a possibility that they're legit, but unless you see it with your own eyes, if you just catch it in the camera, there's going to be lots of questions. That's right. That's right. You know, so I always think if you see an orb, um, be in awe of the fact that you're actually seeing one and just share it with your friends and family that aren't going to think you're completely making it up. because for the most part, you know, people are going to think you made it up. And if you take a yeah. picture of it and it shows up, then they're going to absolutely believe that you made it up. Yeah. It's just, I goes, yeah. Yeah, I goes, um, others, other visitors to the bridge have actually reported seeing a white spirit, like apparition near the bridge. Some visitors, and this is, this is very common in these, in these reports. They've claimed that scratch marks will appear on their vehicle or even on their own skin mm. while visiting the bridge. That's and, creepy. And the other funny thing is that just like with, with the screaming bridge in Arlington, most of the events are reported to happen around the same time for yeah. this bridge. It's three 30 AM. Okay. So, so that's, that is the witching hour at Emily's bridge. Yeah. Now, you know, one thing I, I look, if we stopped right there, we'd be like, okay, great. You know, Adam shared a cool story with a legend. Matt shared a cool story with a legend. Um, but you know, I always have to kind of poke around and yep. I found, you gotta just ruin it. I just don't gotta you? ruin it. I found a <laughs> review on TripAdvisor. Okay. Um, and this review comes from uh user solutions, one, two, three, who says, quote, we got there just before sunset. As I was reading the sign, I felt my husband's presence behind me. When I turned around, he wasn't behind me. He was in front of the bridge taking pictures. Oh. I also took several pictures 
and a few look like there was a fuzzy spot in them. Could that be Emily's ghost? That was one mm. of the few. A, a lo, most of the ones of the reviews that said anything about haunted or ghosts or anything, there the review says didn't see anything haunted. Yeah, you know, yeah, nothing paranormal happened while I was there. Um, so you got to be careful when you search because you get a lot of the the negative. Oh yeah, um, that that's most of what you see is no ghost wasn't there, or yeah. somebody calling the believers a, a cuckoo brains because they didn't see anything, something like that. Yeah, but I kept digging. I wasn't cool. satisfied, and I found I found this, and this was this was really intriguing. Okay, and entertaining to read. Because there have been uh, plenty of paranormal investigators that claim to have experienced something at Emily's mm-hmm. Bridge, even if the spirit of Emily wasn't responsible. Now, paranormal investigator Alan Barnes and his team spent a night at the Goldbrook Bridge hoping to do just that, experience something, anything. Now, uh, according to Barnes, he was standing alone on the bridge in the dark around 1 a.m., and he heard the distinct sound of something scraping against wood no more than five feet away away from him. Eesh. The bridge is not necessarily a quiet place, and Barnes explained that the rush of the water 10 feet below was loud enough to prevent him from effectively using his radio to communicate with his other team members Yet the scraping felt close and was very audible. So this wasn't like, what what did I hear? What was that? This had to be loud enough for him to hear it over the water because he can't even use his his radio. He can't hear Mm. well enough, and all his team members are hearing is the sound of the water. So that was, it was either really loud or really close or both. Yeah. If he's able to pick it out. That's right. Now, Barnes also reports that he felt something brush against him a few times, despite turning on his camera to reveal that he was indeed alone. He also states that his team had considerable difficulty maintaining a battery charge on their equipment, with Barnes himself going through three batteries for his camera in about 30 minutes. And he states that one battery alone should have given him at least two hours. Yeah. Okay. And and that, the battery the, the battery thing we've heard on a lot yep. of places. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that that's a standard? Um, a spirit will draw the energy from a yep. battery to try to help manifest or or perform some kind of feat for you. They they need the energy from the battery. I've always just wondered if you know because it it, it drains the battery that. When you come with all that equipment that's battery powered, if you're not just bringing an energy source, yeah, to to you know feed those spirits, why not bring a bigger energy source? Yeah, yeah, that's a you good know, point. Why not bring like a daggum battery from a Tesla in there, or a generator? Just bring <laughs> yeah. like a diesel and generator. Just set it down in wherever you're investigating, and then start mm-hmm. looking around and see. See if well, that's a catalyst for for activity. Yep. I think um, I I 
I can't point to a specific case, so I may be wrong, but I'm, I feel like there was an investigator or investigators that created a miniature Tesla coil and brought it to a site. I th- you're and- right. I have, I have heard or read something about this. Mm-hmm. When you said Tesla coil, it, it set off a bell in my head. I, yep. I've heard that before. And so I, I, I feel like it has been done, but I, I don't know why Tesla coil, when we have other technology now that, like you said, car battery, something mm-hmm. that's got a lot of energy stored in it that they can use. And Matt, maybe that's what we need to do on our next investigation. You bring a car battery, I'll bring a car battery, yeah. and we'll just set it down and say, here you go. Uh, draw off of this and let's have a conversation. That's right. You know, I, it'd be interesting to try. I mean, yep. what's it going to hurt other than people go, look at these two idiots sitting out here with these car batteries. What the hell yeah. are they doing? I'm a seance with a car battery. <laughs> We'd put a Ouija board on top of the batteries. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now back, back to the story. So here, here Alan is. He's out on this bridge. He's done heard the scraping of the wood. Um, he feels like something's touched him, and his camera isn't working. He's going through batteries. So he's beginning to get a little anxious as it is. Mm-hmm. Alan then claims that he heard the scraping noise, but this time it sounded as though it was rushing toward him. He suddenly felt something nudge him from behind, which led to him running off of the bridge, not, yeah, not yep. off into the water. Just I'm going to leave the bridge <laughs> and go out. Yeah. And so that's what he did. And he was get me guided. the heck out of here. <laughs> yeah. He was guided by the lights on the car in the distance where another one of his team members was monitoring the stationary cameras on a monitor. Now, when he got to the car, Barnes team member Lords informed him that the four stationary cameras had all gone down. Weird. And and so they were like all four of them. Yeah. All four of them. And you know, that's just his, his camera batteries were going down. The stationary ones were going down. So they were really feeding, feeding it. Yeah. That would Um, be, that would be really a feat. If it wasn't paranormal and just all of those batteries died at the same time, that right. there would be something really weird happening. Right. Yeah. That just doesn't seem like it'd have to be like this crazy magnetic anomaly or mm-hmm. something, you know, it's mm-hmm. just sucking the energy out of the battery. So as he was talking to Lords, one of his other um, team members came up, uh, Claire Hines. And so they decided we're going to call it quits. Um, we've been out here for about an hour or so. We've got a ton of footage. Um, well, they, they had actually been out there longer than an hour. This whole process of him being on the bridge and then getting back to the car took about an hour. So they'd been mm-hmm. out there a while. So they had a lot of footage to go through. It's like, why don't we just call it? Let's go look at this. And so they, they drive back to the hotel where they were staying. Funny enough, they have to drive over the bridge to go back to the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'd, yeah. I'd be like, no. man, we're taking the long way around. You know, I'm not yeah. driving down there. Or uh, why didn't you just stay on the other side? Yeah, and that's right. Stay parked over there. <laughs> All right, Adam, let's take a minute and talk about one of our longtime sponsors, HelloFresh. Now, if you haven't heard of HelloFresh, where you been, man? No I kidding. Mean, I mean, it's fantastic. How have you not heard about it? But if you haven't, HelloFresh is a meal delivery service where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipe delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And I know my kids get super excited when they come home and they see that HelloFresh box sitting on the porch. Oh, yeah. Because they know, they know, hey, not only is tonight's dinner going to be great, we're going to get to help. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal and i you know right now i've got we've got school we've got softball we've got workouts all this stuff we, we just we're we're hardly at home and so running to the grocery store and all that is and even having the time to prep a meal is just it's not there so hello fresh makes our hectic fall weeknights a little bit easier definitely more delicious now their quick and easy meals including 20 minute meals low prep easy cleanup options take the stress out of meal time with time saving no fuss recipes ready in a snap and now you can enjoy the freshest fall flavor every HelloFresh recipe includes ripe just picked produce that travels from the farm to your door in less than a week it's amazing. I, I know it, it's incredible. I, I I love how they do that. They get it to you so quick. It's quicker than a grocery store, honestly. Oh yeah. Um, and fall is a perfect time to cozy up with some delicious sweets, so you can get the whole family involved with HelloFresh's limited edition kid-friendly baking kits, which is just awesome because. Michael is the same way as your kids, where he gets excited when HelloFresh is here, and we let him help. We let him mix the stuff and all that, and it's really cool to me that they now have the kid-friendly baking kit so we can teach him to bake as well, and he can get involved with that. And HelloFresh isn't just for dinners. You know, you're thinking, well, maybe I don't want to do dinners with HelloFresh. Well, you can shop HelloFresh Market for quick breakfast, wholesome snacks, and even desserts. You'll find everything you need to satisfy your cravings without stepping foot in the grocery store or mini mart. Which, like Matt said, that just gets more and more hectic. With the more hectic your schedule is, the more hectic going to the grocery store is. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get on board uh, the HelloFresh train like Matt and I and our families then all you need to do is go to hellofresh.com slash graveyard65 and use our code graveyard65, that's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-6-5, and you'll get 65% off plus free shipping. Yeah, all you got to do is go to hellofresh.com slash graveyard65 and use our code graveyard65, that's G-R-A-V-E, Y-A-R-D-6-5 to get 65% off plus 
free shipping. Um, but once they got back to their hotel, they're standing outside and, and Claire, who I mentioned earlier, she notices something at the very top left-hand edge of the back window was a partial handprint, the top portion of a palm with four fingers pointed straight down. Now they said the the handprint looked like it was made by a young woman. I, I don't know about that. Uh, if, I, if you're that good, you can see a handprint. Tell it's you know, unless it's just huge, and you're like, well, let's see there. It's a giant, but it's probably a yeah, man. yeah, a um, forensic <laughs> genius at that point. I think they wanted it to be, but forensic savant. <laughs> Based on the position and the orientation of the handprint, the team determined that she would have had to have been crouched on the roof of the vehicle. Placing hmm. her hand on the top window uh, or top of the window so that her fingers pointed towards the ground. Yeah. Now, or that's that. Yeah, I think I think if if they see this handprint, that's dead on. Because how mm-hmm. else would you get a handprint in that position on that car? I mean, either crawling up the window backwards. Yeah. Uh like crab walking kind of thing. Or uh-huh. if you put your hand down turned kind of backwards to push yourself up, maybe, but I don't know why anybody would do that on that position of a car. There would be no reason to put your hand like that and and Yeah. I it 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 doesn't seem like a position that Yeah. Someone yeah. would normally get in to everyday usage of the car and it didn't say it just said car it didn't say what kind of car but it said car so i implied that that is a a sedan it is mm-hmm. not a pickup truck right because if, if they had said oh it's on the back window of a pickup truck i was like oh there's more of a chance that somebody might have been in the bed of the truck and moving yep. around back there but if it's just a car if i'm on the ground or hell, if I'm even in the car and I somehow reach around, it's going to be hard for me to get my hand into that kind of orientation to pull yep. a joke. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's really you'd ha- you'd have to try and and not that that's not what happened, but this is a this is an experienced paranormal team. This is not a bunch of amateurs. Okay, mm-hmm. you know they they may not be have their own TV show, um, but they know what they're doing. Sure. Okay? Yeah. They're they're not just kids out there having fun where one of them decides, hey, this will be great. Let's screw up this entire investigation by me <laughs> playing a prank. Okay? Right. If if right. you're really a paranormal investigator and you've got a team and you're you don't do that kind of stuff. Okay? No. That Your would whole, invalidate everything you found. Exactly. I mean, you think about it. One prank would ruin that entire night. Of anything yep. they captured, because or your entire uh, history, true of of research, true. So I don't think that happened. Um, could it have been an old handprint that they just didn't notice until then? Because everything was all they're all hyped up now and and wanting to find something. Maybe, mm-hmm. but again, maybe yep. why? Why? 
what what were you doing then that you would be on the roof of your car or put your hand no. in that position and, and maybe look, something we can't talk about on a family show <laughs> I mean, just one hand <laughs> just one yeah usually takes was, both um eh, well for some <laughs> but you know my my thinking is i drive my vehicles every day you know yeah. um I don't have handprints all over my window and I have gross kids. Okay. I mean, my kids are disgusting. You hand one of my, if, if one of my children ages 13 and 10 ask you for your cell phone and you give it to them, even for a minute, when you get it back, it's almost going to have like a crust. It's like, (laughs) what were you doing? How could you tolerate something like this being on your hands? It's glazed like a donut. Exactly. <laughs> Every time, even now. Um, I won't even touch Brooks's phone. I, yeah, I'm just no. like, get your phone, son. You know? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's gross. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't have these handprints on my windows. And my kids right. are the ones that would cl- try to climb on the roof for something. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And and so I don't, I don't think that you just routinely get handprints on your glass and either don't wipe them off when you notice them um, or they don't come off in the rain or the car wash or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So I, but I, I included that sort because that was really the, the best investigative story that had the most compelling evidence that something was going on. I, I don't, the, this is a case, I think, Adam, and you tell me what you think, where the haunting occurs and then the legend gets tied to it. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking when um, you were saying about the different versions of that story. I I feel like it it's one of those situations where people have witnessed or experienced something. And there is no definitive answer as to why this is occurring. So they make it up and it's, it's different for maybe every generation has a different story. That's why it's within a hundred years because every generation comes up with their own version of why there is paranormal activity at this bridge. Mm-hmm. So it went with a oh, horse and carriage oh, uh, before that it was hanging because they weren't, they didn't have horse and carriage much in that area. And then it went to vehicles and then it was like Ouija board. It, it seemed to progress with the culture. So I, I do believe like you, that if there is paranormal activity at this bridge, then the paranormal activity came first and the mm-hmm. stories of what happened came afterward to try to explain yeah. what was happening. Or there's already this Emily legend, okay, mm-hmm. that's been floating around. Whether it's it's decades old or whether uh, Nancy Stead uh, came up with this story on her own and it just grew, it, the story was already out there. So now stuff starts happening at the bridge because there is some speculation that because all those other bridges were so similar, and they're all gone. That mm-hmm. if anything like that actually happened, it most likely happened at one of the other bridges. 
this is the one that the legend gets tied to because it's the one left. Yeah. Um, and the thing we don't look at, Matt, though, that I have to throw out there is tulpa type activity. Um, we, I, I'm trying to bring it up as much as I can because it's fascinating to me that mm-hmm. tulpas can be a thing. But if there is this amount of activity and energy put into the legends about this bridge, could that have then caused these quote unquote spirit interactions? Mm-hmm. Kind of like a kind of poltergeisty, but it would be a, a spirit tulpa in yeah. a sense. But and again, when you're when we're talking about a tulpa in this sense, we're talking about a legend that's permeate permeated that area for you know years mm-hmm. and years and years um you've got a lot of people that may think about it widely believe it yep when and, and when does it start right about this time of year you know mm-hmm. soon as soon as old walmart starts putting out the pumpkin spice and you know the the halloween costumes and everything people start kind of sharing these little stories you start talking about Halloweens when you were a kid. You know, you start talking about what you did last year, what you want to do this year, all this stuff. And these stories inevitably come up. So all of a sudden, you've got a large group of people um, discussing a particular legend, even if they're not discussing in detail the same. There's a lot of energy there. And all of a sudden, there's a lot of weird stuff happening at the one standing bridge in Stowe, Vermont. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm with it. I, I love the idea of a tulpa. And, you know, when you, when, you, when, you, when you introduce that to somebody for the first time and they don't really understand what you're talking about and you try to explain it, they look at you like you have three heads. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the interesting thing, and this is what I always use when this subject comes up, um, and it's not with you, um, but... Uh, I say, look, if I told you that you can believe that you're sick in your mind and Mm -hmm. then your body can physically manifest that kind of illness, even though you don't really have it, but you manifest it, what would you say to that? I mean, that's that's widely understood in the medical community that that can happen. So. If, if your mind can do that with your own body, then why can't a collection of minds that's concentrated on a specific subject not do something very similar? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and, and, hey, I get it. We're, you're going into an area that, that is Adam's you know, largest pet peeve, and that's the whole mass <laughs> hysteria thing, that if we're all thinking about it, and one person says, hey, you see that? Then everybody believes that they see the same thing, okay? Yep. I, if we were all in a crowd at that bridge and some that happened, then I, would, I could buy into that, okay? The power of suggestion. But we're yep. talking about multiple experiences over, you know, a course of years and years. Um, you know, I, I think, and again, you know, Take a good chunk of them and pitch them. You know, they're just made up. But then you you boil down the rest, and you're going to find some that are absolute. These, whatever happened, these people 100% believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not trying to fool you. They're not trying to scare you. 
they're trying to explain to you what happened to them when they went and visited this bridge. Right. So there's no other explanation for it other than it really happened. And we don't yet understand exactly why. Um, right. But, you know, either way you look at it, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about two, two fairly famously haunted bridges tonight. Um, what do you guys think? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe you have a haunted bridge that's not too far from you, like Adam. You know, may, maybe you have heard stories of other haunted bridges, and I would imagine the legends are similar. Somebody died, somebody was killed, somebody was in an accident, somebody committed suicide off of it, whatever. Um, you've probably got something along those lines if, if there's a haunted bridge near you. Let us know about it. Yes, what do please. You, what do you think about these two bridges? Let us know. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Um, it's a great environment to share those kind of stories. Nobody's going to make fun of you. We all just want to hear them. You know, mm-hmm. you know that's what's fun, especially this time of year. Everybody wants to hear a good ghost story. And it's a private group. So right. remember, you can share in that group and your normal Facebook friends on there are not going to see it yeah. uh, pop up. You have to be a member of the graveyard to see what's posted in the graveyard. So don't think... Oh, well, I want to talk about this on here, but I don't want my Aunt Nellie seeing me talk about <laughs> the ghosts in her house. Well, she's right. not going to see it. That's right. That's right. Um, we're also on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Just go and search Graveyard Tales. Uh, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It brings the show up the charts, making it more likely that Graveyard Tales will pop up in a search for paranormal podcasts or ghost stories mm-hmm. or something like that. It, it helps bring more people into the graveyard. Um, our website is graveyardpodcast.com and there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can listen to the show and you can become, you can become a patron. And if I promise you, if you are a patron and you're going to get to see the uncut video of tonight's show, <laughs> you are in for a huge surprise. It is oh, yeah. absolutely hysterical. It's, yep. it's, I promise you, it's it's worth it to get this video. <laughs> yep. It happened to Matt, but it startled me too. So. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you what, this was fun. Oh. Uh, we, we, we're going to do this again. We, we do this. Oh, yeah. We're good for one or two a year on the show like this. And it's, it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Um, but thanks for tuning in. And until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.